32 counties united by people. Um, je m'appelle Una. And my name is Andrea. I'm not taking your bait. And this is United Ireland. Ireland. Every week on United Ireland, we go under the hood of issues in Ireland, beyond the headlines, bringing you smart people who know what they're talking about. But before we do that, folks, yes, it's time for us to, as it says in our notes, make a Patreon plea. It's the new year, new year, new you, new wallet, new donation to United Ireland. If you are enjoying what you're listening to, uh, do think about throwing us uh, three euro. Three euro may not mean a lot to you, but it means a big deal to us. What's that song? Don't know. I'll come back to that sometime. Maybe next week. So you go to patreon.com forward slash United Ireland and for just three little blips a month, you can make us happy, support this podcast and keep us going. And ecologically and professionally. Correct. It's also a new year, which means we get our schedule back on track where we have an episode a week, a Sunday through the week, 32 questions a month and a byline a month. And we have a new series coming soon. More to be announced on that. It's a very exciting time to donate three years. Not donate. Pay for the content you're fucking listening to. That's lovely, Andrea. That's a bit harsh, it? <laughs> Thank you Whoa. to all you beautiful supporters <laughs> who are already paying for the fucking content. Uh, we value you. We love you. And we congratulate you on your good taste. What are we talking about this week, Andrea? This week, we are talking about... New year, new you. No, that can get in the bin. Piss off. Literally every radio station I've been listening to has been flat out. New year, new you. What you can do, what you can change. Like smash those goals, lean into the grind. Absolutely piss off. So instead we have Connor Creighton, who is the king of meditation, to tell us how we can maybe lean into Samus in January. Yeah, lean into leaning out, I say. On a leaning tilt. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, and, uh, but before we get all namaste, open your ears, it's time for the State of the Nation. Happy New Year, Andrea. Happy New Year, Una. For your New Year gift, you... And- what? Happy Nolagnamon. Oh, happy Nolagnamon. Yes, indeed. Well, your present from uh, the Irish state for both uh, the new year and for Nolagnamon is eight cans of Druids for 19 euro. That's right. Minimum pricing for alcohol came in on January 4th, uh, dealing a body blow to anybody who wants to pay for alcohol the same price uh, that you would in other places. Our alcohol is already really expensive, but now... It's even more so. Um, This is to combat problem drinking, apparently, and binge drinking and things like that. But as we know, prohibition doesn't work. And uh, if cost was an issue in terms of getting wasted, then nobody would ever buy any drugs or booze. Certainly not in Ireland. Yeah, it's really uh, indicative of how popular that cheap drug cocaine is. (laughs) um, (laughs) I've heard. Now, I have... I'm just total, like, I I have to admit, before this came in, January 4th, I went to Tesco and I bought, like, crates and crates of Heineken. I'm not even drinking in January, but I was just like, I'm not going to be fleeced now by this. I think it would make sense if some money was going to mental health services or uh, rehab no, I think beds. That's a really frustrating narrative that is around it, that people are like... Uh, it's actually to save the HSE money because so many problem drinking co- is because blah, blah, blah. This will stop that. It's like, well, A, it won't. It's been proven time and time again. B, the money is going to supermarkets um, or who sell the booze. So it's not being invested into anything that will help problematic drinking or save any money long term. It's just a profiteering racket, essentially. Now, they did follow Scotland's lead on this. And I think that they're saying, oh, it's kind of working in Scotland or something. But Scotland are going back on it. Oh, are they? Yeah. I think uh, I I was about to say that I don't see it lasting um, because I think that 
when it kind of when people kind of realize come out of the fog of January and realize oh my god something that has basically been so so expensive uh even though our tax is so expensive on alcohol already and our duty tax and all that kind of stuff which doesn't necessarily impact the amount we consume so it's already expensive this added expense may not make the gains that they need and they'll probably have to go back we hope on that, uh, just a little reminder that the consultation on the review of alcohol licensing closes on the 21st. So you have 15 days to complete your uh, thing. Little survey, go to the Department of Justice website and fill that in. Um, what else is happening, Andrea? Um, schools have dominated the conversation for the last week. Um, it's been... V- like so annoying to follow and I don't have kids because all the things that teachers and principals and everyone has been asking to make schools safe have been asked for years and years and years and then suddenly it's positioned that uh, unions and teachers are pushing back on school opening which is obviously very important for so many reasons Um. But because no mitigating things have been put in place and the announcement that they were all still going ahead as per with no um, changes or no protection or no reasons to close windows when kids are sitting in their jackets freezing um, went ahead before the meeting with Norma Fo- with the unions and Norma Foley and even things... Future Taoiseach Norma Foley. <laughs> oh, jeez. Even things like she agreed in the meeting that... Uh, teachers would be provided with like ventilator masks and then it was like when they went for clarification the unions went for clarification was like they have to apply to the board to get funding so it's like you're not you're 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 waiting for this um disaster to happen and it looks like it's the schools who are responsible rather than the minister for education and departments not doing absolutely anything to make them safer Mm. Uh, what else is happening uh, with regards to the L pandemic? Uh, uh, well, okay, f- this is hopeful. Most people in ICU, which obviously is bad, but they're in there with Delta and not Omicron, which is a good sign of where the virus seems to be journeying. And obviously, I want to put the caveat in that it's too soon to make a call on what's going to happen and the long-term effects, but it is hopeful that it's going in the right direction. Now, we will not talk about the new variant that is a merge of flu and COVID today. We'll wait till that gathers a bit more speed, but right now it's quite hopeful. Yeah, I think that um, at a time where so many people, hundreds of thousands of people um, were contracting COVID over the past month, that perhaps uh, we may be in, well, we know we're in a different place, but maybe we're in a in a hopeful place of actually properly emerging from this and learning to really uh, live with it um, as we do um, with other viruses and uh, that kind of stuff so fingers crossed lads fingers crossed that we'll be out of the woods in 22 um in england farmers are going to be paid to real rewild the land it's the only way for us to to live and for the future to happen is to start rewilding and the only way that's going to happen on farmland is if people are paid to do it we need to do this in ireland big time and get wolves yeah. <laughs> Bring back the wolves. Uh, the trial of the century, Golfgate, has kicked off in Galway this week. Um, and people will be bang for blood, of course. Uh, it seems to be the general way that things go. I do think it is kind of bananas, you might even say, Andrea, <laughs> that a district court case has a clatter of senior counsel uh, running around the place and over 50 witnesses uh, for something that I think uh, constitutes ultimately about a two and a half thousand euro fine or something like that. But apparently most of those witnesses aren't going to be able to make it. There's a big travesty going on that the witnesses won't actually be there. Well, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, we won't comment on it, of course, until it has concluded. Um, but now let's 
go within and journey away from the relentless, unbearable expectations placed on us in this month of January and just ease off a bit. It's time for Connor Creighton. We are now joined by Connor Creighton. He is a man who leans into making your mind gorge. He's an author, journalist, coach, and meditation teacher who recently released his book, This Is It, his second book. In it, he gets into meditation and contemplation in not just accessible, an accessible way, but it's warm and funny and down to earth and interesting too, even if you're a bit like, nah, meditation isn't for me. He also runs meditation workshops and coaching that help you to understand your mind, diffuse stress and release tension. And like, I mean, who of us could not do that right now? And he set up the Dublin Boys Club at Mazer, um, artist, where talking about your feelings is seen as an act of courage. Connor, welcome. Uh, the reason we're here is that we've been listening to New Year, New You bullshit blasting across the airways for the last week. Lose weight, lean into the grind, get productive, achieve your goals, etc. And whilst there's absolutely nothing inherently wrong with any of those things, one of the posts you shared this week really resonated with us as an antithesis to all the pressure people are putting on themselves right now. I'm going to read that. And I've seen it across so many of uh, people I know's um, stories and shit feeds. Uh, It said, the pressure to be highly productive in January is capitalism further disconnecting us from our true selves. All nature is resting right now. So should you. So what do you make about all the noise we're currently hearing right now? Um, I think I think it's a shame, um, but also probably very typical. Like, so what what I kind of work with, Andrea, is um, work with kind of helping people to just try and kind of make sense of the mechanics inside their brains. Right. So we have all been fitted with these evolutionary devices such as worry and fear and judgment and criticism. And these kind of devices, they manifest in the form of thoughts that pretty much make our lives miserable. You know, these kind of the constant sort of feeling of I've done something, but it's not quite enough. Or the the way that we kind of say things to ourselves that we would kind of we would never say to anybody else. We can be so harsh and so critical of ourselves. And this is all just kind of the by design. Our brains are designed in this way to keep us alive. And the way our brains keep us alive is by keeping us afraid and feeling small. But in a more modern era where we're kind of spending less of our time running away from wild animals and and starving out on the plains, we need to kind of approach our brains from a different angle right? And that just simply means learning to recognize all the cues that are coming in the form of thoughts, but then just ignore them. And the problem with, I mean, the problem with uh, what we have at at this, this early stage of January and the kind of the barrage of kind of pressure that's placed on people is just very much that kind of, I think it's the effect of our internalized capitalist monologue that's just going off like an alarm in our head. Um, And this is, I mean, this all just stems from a place of fear um, and a place of of anxiety. And I think that kind of probably the the most useful thing we can do for ourselves at this stage is kind of tune into what our real needs are. And if we look at our real needs from the point of view of how everything else in nature is behaving right now, then our real need is just to calm the fuck down and rest and relax. Connor, I often get like, I totally hear what you're saying there, music to my ears, but I get caught between two stools of like trying to convince myself that I don't have to keep putting pressure on myself all the time and go with flow and be chill. And then also if I don't have a structure or some kind of plan I feel very at sea and rudderless and I start to panic. How do I bridge these two conflicting needs? 
Yeah, you you kind of dropped out on me halfway. I think the internet just went, but I I know that question very well, and I I, I think it's about Una. Um, so much of the work of kind of understanding yourself is really about clearing up all the garbage that's in your head. So um, we're we're all programmed in a certain way. You know, we grow up in this society, and we have a kind of like I sort of mentioned, you know, there's a sort of like, there's an internal capitalist programming that's inside us all. We get taught this from the youngest of ages to be competitive with other people in our classroom. You know, we get taught that it's sort of, we have to be out there on our own rather than how we can exist as a sort of an interdependent society. And there's so much of this kind of um, internalized pressure um, that is just counterproductive. So I think it's really what what meditation is. And, and I mean, you don't even have to meditate to do this. You just sort of have to sit down and kind of look at the results of, of your actions is it's about kind of discovering, okay, when, um, when is my productivity enjoyable and enough? And when is my productivity just feeding into a form of self-hatred? Um, now, there's, there are many forces in our society that try and turn us against ourselves. You know what I mean? I think like there's many sort of, we see that in the form of media. We see that often at like different political levels. We definitely see it kind of in the online world. There is a sort of a sense that um, we are, or, or there are forces that would like to disempower us. And they disempower us by making us feel that we are never enough that we can never actually relax and enjoy ourselves. I remember, it's kind of funny, like I was, I, I remember I had a fantastic conversation with you once, Andrea, and um, we were both sober. And uh, <laughs> I, I remember I, I ran Already in, I don't believe this anecdote. <laughs> no, I, I remember, I was just thinking of this before I came on. I was like, I had this chat with you and um, we were chatting about your uh, Tropical Popical, we were chatting about your, your salon. And I, and I asked this really like stupid question. I said, are you going to open up another one? And I think you turned to me and you said, no, um, I hate this idea of always building and trying to do more and not realizing when something is enough. And um, I think that was very reflective of kind of like the mania that so much of us, ha- so many of us have that we, we can't quite, we don't have the confidence and perhaps the, the levels of self-love enough to say, actually, this is enough. And I think I've done fantastic. Um, and I just, I always remember having that conversation with you and thinking, oh yeah, I wish I hadn't asked Andrea that. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I just celebrated the fact that you've done something rather than saying, what are you doing next? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So he- thank you. Um, I just think I'm great. I'm only joking. Uh, <laughs> I am wondering then with all that, and I have the image of Eckhart, or hear Eckhart Tolle's voice going, release the thoughts and just watch them because they are not you. You is the self and all that jazz, which I'm obsessed with. Mm. Um, but also, how do you then approach the January vibes when everyone's kind of like trying to be the best version of themselves? And obviously that's a good thing, but it feels like the the requirements are being skewed towards like very much um, like doing things that are punitive rather than what make people happier. And like, what is a more holistic approach to maybe take at this time? And obviously uh, we've been eating Christmas celebratory vibes and it, it makes sense. And I suppose a cycle wise to want to like eat fresher and healthier food and that's fine and also to like knuckle down into routines maybe that were skewed over the festive period but I suppose where I have a problem is that it's kind of sold back at us as as that we aren't enough because of what we've enjoyed and that we need to change ourselves so what's a more holistic way of approaching that maybe in January? Yeah well I think there's I think there's two prongs that you can go at this I think one is the kind of the 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 realistic way and then the holistic way, right? And I think the realistic way is when you look at like, okay, who are these people who are saying that you need to do this? Okay, you need to get on this program, you need to get on this food. Um, They're all trying to make money from you. 
You know, they're all trying to make you feel bad so you spend money. Um, they're not to be trusted, right? And then I think from the, the more kind of the holistic approach is one where you can just tap into the seasons. And I think this is the where we so often as humans, we forget that we're part. Like we didn't, we're, we're not something that happened on earth. We're something that happened from earth. We grew out of it. You know what I mean? All of nature right now is going back into earth to nourish. It's the cycle of life and death, you know, of sort of death and rebirth. And I think this, it's really important right now to kind of, and, and not been over dramatic here, I've been more romantic than dramatic, to kind of like allow yourself to die a little. And by that, I mean, just sort of be a little bit more at home, be a little bit more with your feelings. You know, this is a great time for like emotion. And so many of us are scared of emotion. So many of us, we try and distract ourselves from our feelings or from the dark thoughts. But this is a beautiful time for just being with the thoughts in our head, for being with the quiet time. And it's not that it's unproductive, it's recharging your rhythms and your batteries. Um, like, I mean, we're, we've got so much more in common with like, Celtic calendars than we should have with these other calendars. And really, like, our year doesn't begin again until Imbolc on the 1st of February. Do you know what I mean? That's when you can start to have your ideas. That's when maybe you can go, okay, I'm going to start jogging now, or I'm going to start eating lettuce leaves. You know what I mean? But right now, it should still be kind of as much as you possibly can, like box sets and cookies and, you know, journaling and things like this, and just being very cozy and loving with yourself. Uh, totally on board with following our own calendar um, and because it just makes so much more sense. And one of the things that I want to ask you about that kind of rhythm, I suppose, is about light, because what I found um, and my partner's always going on about this, about how people in Ireland don't connect with the fact that we're existing on an island in the northern hemisphere and actually in northern Europe. And in the summer, like at the height of summer, we have like almost six, 17 hours mm. of light in this country. And at the height of winter, we have about seven and a half hours of light. And like that is such a massive, massive difference in, in how we exist with regards to our circadian rhythms and our energy and all that kind of stuff in the year. Like that's a, almost 10 hour difference and nobody really talks about it apart from like grand stretch shit and what I've found in the in the pandemic because I stopped traveling which used to be one of the main characteristics of my work uh and my my body's rhythm completely changed and my uh capacity to get up with the light became and also batten down the hatches when the at, at dusk really just became so embedded to the point that when I'm trying to get up at half six or seven these, de these days, uh, Andrew is grimacing on the call. Uh, I can't, like, I actually can't. It's like I'm only able to, to get up with the light. And I was just wondering, like, what role um, do you see in, in light uh, in, in terms of this time of year? Because I also, like, suffer quite badly from you know, I suppose like what could be described as SAD and, and I mm. really have to see the morning light and the evening light or else I, you know, just basically start getting depressed. I was wondering if you, if that plays into your work, like this, this, the light and, and maybe we're miss, missing um, a really big aspect of how we live in where we are geographically even. Yeah, I, I think, I think even Una just sort of acknowledging it is so important, right? Because I, I believe so many of us, um, I mean, this is, this is the horrible habit pattern of our minds. Um, they, we, will, we rarely look at external factors. We just, we blame it all on ourselves. I was out on the Curra the other day with a friend and we were walking over the Curra and he was just talking about like the families who had lived here during the famine and how so many of them would have, like their children would have starved to death. And we were just talking about how he was told, like he's a kind of an historian, he was talking about how so many of those families would have felt ashamed that their children had starved to death, even though they had done everything in their power. And it was external factors that had brought about the death of these children. 
And that's something that we all do at a micro level. Even though like there's only seven hours of light in the day, we'll blame ourselves for being low. We'll blame ourselves for being a bit miserable. And I think like you just mentioning that, Una, and kind of acknowledging it and let it kind of like um, as, as an opportunity for us to sort of say, hey, it's, this isn't my problem. This isn't like a, this isn't some sort of deficit in my personality. This is a kind of a seasonal factor. And then in the same way that like when you are ill, you can, you, you can ask to be treated a different way and you treat yourself a different way. I think we can also incorporate that into our winter lifestyles. And I think the, the noise that seems to come up, especially on social media about like, you know, new year, new you is, um, is, is just an, is an opportunistic act of cruelty. Wow, that's quite the, that's quite the statement. Uh, yeah, I didn't think that through very well. <laughs> that's okay, <Maya. laughs> Um, What would you say then would be things that people can do every day to bring a meditative element to their lives? And like I'm saying meditative element because a lot of people are scared of meditation, but really it's just sitting and not thinking correct yeah, yeah well but meditation is really yeah it, it is that to, and well but you do think you know what i mean and that's yeah. that's the problem you think learning like, to you, ignore your thoughts yeah and it's really like for me meditation is just a technique for discovering the mystery of you you know what i mean we really don't know who we are um but we we have an inkling we're we're very curious as to what might be there like what is kind of there's something more to us than just school work a few great nights out and then death. Do you know what I mean? There's something a little bit more. There's something magical to us. There's what something- is it? <laughs> We're all really gods. <laughs> um, yeah, but um, meditation meditation for me is just the exploration of that and being open to that idea that there is something far more mysterious to you that you just can't quite understand, but you're going to endeavor to try and like touch on it somehow. And so what I think what kind of this period of time, what what can be really useful for people is just to incorporate this sort of sense of like intentional contemplation into your day. Like, you know, that like kind of I'm sure like in our old ancient times on this island, the winter was probably a time of great dreaming and imagination you know and i, th- I think it's john o'donoghue who used to write about like you know the, the celtic um dream world you know and this idea of like this would have been a time of of imagining and creating and, and sort of storytelling and stuff like this so i think like from just a simple point of view like using this time for for being quiet for going for deliberately going inward rather than just being jolted by a sudden like fear you know, actually setting aside time, like, oh, I'm going to be a little bit more quiet now. I, I think that sort of honors the season a lot more. And a practical way, I suppose, of that is turning off from social media, turning off from screens, doing yes. things that are knitting or like contemplative, contemplative, whatever yeah. that word is. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like super practical things like that. And and then really just sort of seeing if you can, like, like the big thing with meditation is it's all about reconnecting. Like so many of us, um, we don't actually do what we want in this life. We we don't accept parts of our personality. We We put ourselves under so much pressure. We pass mirrors and we say horrible things about our reflections. So... I would just encourage people to really use this as a time to accept whatever you need to get through this right now. And if that is a kind of a staying in bed a little later, if that is just being a little bit slower, I think that's really important. Um, yeah, rather than just listening to what what is maybe well-intentioned, but can come across as a little bit of like wellness bullying. Yeah, fuck wellness bullying. That's what I say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you set new goals for yourself in January, though, all things considered? No, not really. Um, Do you go by I, the Celtic calendar? 
No, but that that's something that I've just sort of hit on this year. Um, I'm I'm a little bit like you in, it, in that I try and spend winter. I have tried and spent winter like in in the south or travel a bit like that and escape it. But I think um, I. I, I generally don't set big goals because they're doomed to fail. Um, and I think, I think we know that like when you try and do something overly ambitious, like um, it's sort of proven that you do fail because it's too much of a change. So all the, go- all the girl bros and Molly May Haig now cu- currently coming in going, you're not setting yourself big enough. You can do what you want. If you put your mind to it, put your gains, <laughs> like it's sort of, um, like even with meditation, you know what I mean? Like I get lots of people coming to me for meditation and the, the first sort of meditations I'll prescribe them are just like five minutes and sort of, and not even every day. I'm sort of like daily ish. And just to sort of, because we don't, we don't change dramatically unless we've had some sort of health shock. Like this is sort of the human patterns. And I think we have to kind of honor, uh, our human patterns that sort of, small, slight, varying changes are work way, way better in the long term than these big, dramatic, bound to fail gym membership fucking changes. You know? I feel really gal- gl- uh, guilty for joining the gym now. Super <laughs> guilt. Um, come here to me. You know the way you're saying that people don't change necessarily unless something like crazy happens. <clears throat> yeah. Um, are you noticing in your work uh, that actually happening, considering the context of the pandemic? Because what I'm seeing all around me now, this is partly underscored by the housing crisis, obviously, and pl- everybody has all their reasons for change, but loads of people quitting their jobs, loads of people moving uh, location, be it to different parts of Ireland or outside of Ireland, et cetera, et cetera. That just seems to be happening like, crazy right now are you finding people coming to you in that vibe totally i think there's been an outbreak of self-love in the last two years and it's phenomenal where people are just been like fuck this i can't there's there's a lot of people who have fallen through the cracks and i hope that we're going to find ways to like bring them back but what i have noticed is just like a little bit of a renaissance happening where just conversations that I'm having. And Andrea was even talking about like, you know, the boys club that I do with, with Mazer and stuff like that. And like, I don't know, like we have these meetings and the language that like straight dudes are using amongst each other, the supportive language are kind of the depth of caring that I noticed between us. I'm just like, this wouldn't have happened five years ago in Ireland. Like I've been running boys clubs for about six years and it's always been like herding cats you know like trying to kind of like hey let's be vulnerable together and it's just so difficult and one thing i'm noticing now is first off yes men are opening up to a whole new language but just in general like it's wild people are talking about energies you know people are talking about like leaning into things uh, people are talking, and it's and these are just not people from the wellness industry. This is just the populace in general. Like I even saw something where there was some government directive where they were advising meditation. I mean, like it's kind of um, somebody showed me that a friend I was with the other day as a kind of a, uh, um, as as a way of kind of dealing with pandemics. I mean, there's, there's probably better ways that the government can be like dealing with pandemics, but but I think the fact that the government are kind of mentioning sort of hippy dippy shit like this shows the the people are really ready for some sort of a spiritual renaissance, and people are really coming back to self love, and um, that makes me very excited to be in Ireland, to be honest. Does that also show, though, the commodification of things that are actually super helpful and the or the um, the kind of the gentrification of psychological wellness? Like, because some people would have the opinion that the wellness industry writ large, which is like whatever multi billion dollar industry globally at the moment, is like a series of mechanisms by which people just pay for more stuff so that they can cope underneath the destructive rhythms of capitalism. Yes. And that's such a beautiful way of putting it. But, but ultimately, like, I think, 
I think that kind of if we look at the cycle of capitalism, I mean, capitalism by its very nature must eventually destroy itself. It either wipes out all the humans or it wipes, or we have to get rid of it somehow, like just by the nature of like growth and relentless growth. And I think um, what, what we're noticing now, possibly, yeah, there are like definitely like an awful lot of um, bad agents in the wellness world. But I think one thing that's also emerged in the last couple of years is just people's capacity for detecting authenticity is really increasing. Um, and I just think that we kind of, um, we're, we're reaching a period where you just can't get away with bullshit as much as you could before. And, um, I, I think we've all just matured an awful lot in the last two years. And so, yeah, there's probably going to, there will be an awful lot of say, um, you know, kind of, I guess it's like, kind of like gym machine in the spare room wellness meditation courses going on you know that people will never ever touch it or, or they just subscribe to the platforms but um their misery will continue and their misery will eventually bring them towards something authentic whether that is quitting their job or taking a deep dive into some other form of spirituality um that's kind I of inevitable it's going to bring them back to an outbreak of self-love like i'm here said. for that <laughs> a rampant outbreak of self-love <laughs> <laughs> delicious <laughs> thank you so much Connor that was fab thank you guys lovely to be on the show feel very calm after that uh, outbreak of self-love in the post well, get ready for me to ruin that right now. <laughs> it's time for Get in the Sea. Come on, Andrea. What's okay. In the sea? Three things are getting in the sea. First of all, operation transformation. There's been a conversation going on about this for a long time in, I suppose, more, I don't want to say body positive, body neutral spaces. Um, and it kind of all came to a head the other day of how damaging it can be, of how reductive it is on to the leaders who are taking part um, and how it's focused very much on scales and measurements and uh, bullying techniques and body wise who are the representatives for disordered eating came out with a statement this week to lean into the reasons of what can be done to maybe transform it because all this, all the shows that it's based on in the US and the UK, et cetera, have all been cancelled at this stage. Um, so there was calls for, you know, if you are affected by this, who to call or maybe different ways of approaching it or looking at health in a different way rather than uh, the traditional sense of just lose weight because we all know right now that that is not a measure of health and how damaging that can be for people with eating disorders and how triggering watching a show like that is or even having the conversation around that happening so um it will be interesting to see where operation transformation goes over the next few days but overall the concept can get in the sea for me cool secondly ongoing bill to rent madness there was uh, more permission granted by those wonderful people in on board panala for um more bill to rent studios we call them uh, some of the uh some of the plans are coming in where they're taking light from the kitchen to go into the bedroom. They're not ways of living and we do need more flats. We do need more apartments in Ireland, but we don't need more places that have lower standards of living. Mm. I'm working on a piece at the moment actually about how the ban on bed sits good few years ago and the changing of uh, building standards led to this boom in studio apartments for developers. Um, it's the same thing, you know. Mm. There you go. There's just an update on my work for this month. Thank you. Except they have pretty colours and you can put it on Instagram. What did you call them before? Insta-tenements. Insta-tenements. And finally, um, the HSE hired five times more senior managers than doctors. I've no uh, doubt that managers are important. Keep the ship moving. But I think doctors are friends system if people are sick so too much admin not enough uh talent 
And I think maybe we'll do an episode on how to restructure the HSE. <laughs> and it'll, it'll be a five minute episode. <laughs> Imagine okay. you had to like ruin the HSE. I'd get sick. Ask me all Martin. He set it up. Uh, he was Minister of Health, wasn't he? Um, but the he time- had to have a conversation with us about um, when we were hanging out talking about schools and uh, separating church and state. He's like, you can't do that because then you'll be left with a situation like the HSE. Oh, maybe we need to, we should re revisit that interview uh, and see uh, what I think it was. There. We were having chats. Um, anyway, oh, well, maybe that was totally off the record, Andrea. And uh, maybe we probably no. Um, okay, uh, now it's time for it's bananas. So this is so bananas in so many ways. Firstly. The fact that it's happening, there's rioting happening in Kazakhstan, um, which started over rising energy prices. The government lifted the cap on liquefied petroleum gas, which is AKA LPG. And it went up substantially. It went up from like 50 measurements of currency to 100 measurements of currency, whatever theirs is. That's not very knowledgeable. Um, But uh, rage and kind of disquiet has been building for a long time over quality of life in Kazakhstan, there's, it's it's not great. Um, but as part of the riots, dozens have been killed overnight. Um, a soldier was beheaded. It's absolutely atrocious what's happening. Um, but the interesting thing is that Kazakhstan, as where, where all these war efforts kind of happen, because Russia's now coming in to keep the peace, which is interesting, but it has vast mineral resources. Um, with 3% of global oil reserves and important coal and gas sectors. So it's kind of weird that there is such a problem with accessing uh, energy supplies. So despite being a major oil nation, Kazakhstan has regularly faced LPG shortages because producers got a better price exporting it um, and not giving like selling it to the people who live there. Um, But also the thing that is actually bananas about all of this is that it's hard not to link Bitcoin mining to what's going on there because 18% of Bitcoin's hash rate is in Kazakhstan. So that means like 18% of all mining and transactions take place there. So is there loads of like server farms and shit? Yeah. So like it is a huge kind of industry and they're using up so much of Kazakhstan's energy supplies and like Bitcoin's global energy footprint is 117 TWH per year. What does that, what's terawatts? Mm -hmm. Um, Only slightly smaller than Argentina that has a population of 45 million. So there is a really big question over, like we've had over for a while, but like the energy usage of Bitcoin. And now we're seeing the what's happening in a socio-political way of the repercussions of that. Mm, I mean, data and energy and the internet and energy and crypto and energy and blockchain and energy and all that kind of stuff are just going to become more and more pertinent. Um, I saw uh, we'll be coming back to data centers soon because obviously AirGrid kind of brought in this moratorium, kind of a moratorium, like a case-by-case basis for data centers being built um, in Ireland. And then Martin Shanahan from the IDA kind of intervened, apparently, according to reporting in the Business Post, and has changed uh, that. Oh. So I don't know who put Martin Shanahan in turn in, in charge of AirGrid or of our electricity supply, but that seems bizarre. Um, and also, there was another report in the Business Post that I was looking at I know that Business Post is just like the weekly doom of Ireland, but it's good, great paper. But um, of about the Intel, Ireland was competing for this massive new plant, Intel plant that was actually going to bring loads of jobs to Ireland, mm. etc. And it looks like now that Ireland isn't going to get it. And one of the reasons apparently is because of concerns over our energy constraints here. So it's so crazy that these data centers are being built that provide no jobs. Uh, no tangible jobs beyond bolstering the infrastructure of tech companies and that their 
proliferation is now impacting larger industry that would actually provide jobs here. So this kind of conversation about how we need data centers to underscore employment in Ireland is nonsensio. So we'll come back to that. Uh, But now, turn that frown upside down, Andrea, because it's time for our fave bits. I want to know what you've been enjoying and I want to know now. Okay, Una, get ready. First thing I was really enjoyed this week was Eco Eye. Now, I have not watched it in a long time and it was a brilliant, brilliant show. It was a show, the first episode was about um, changing towns and what's happening and how we can look how we need to look to visionaries to bring towns back to life because of dereliction, because of speculation, because of empty buildings, because of people moving out of towns, amenities not being in them. And it was just a really well put together show with a lot of good contributors and really kind of laid it bare in a really easy to, to access and, and like, what's the word I want to say? Comprehend. Yeah, work through and whatever. Digest so or whatever, I, yeah. I would say definitely have a look back on that episode of Eco Eye um, whilst drinking a traditional cocktail of champagne, a champagne cocktail, if you will. And this is a tricky, not a tricky one, but I was like, yeah, obviously there's loads of champagne cocktails, there's bellinis, mimosas. But I was watching Casablanca on Christmas morning and mm-hmm. they kept ordering, hey, I'll have a champagne cocktail. I was like, what are they ordering? Like, is it just a generic one? And when I Googled it. French 75 or something. What was it? It's the most delicious drink ever. It is a maraschino cherry with maraschino cherry juice, brandy, some bitters topped with champagne. Holy moly. It is chef's kiss. So I think everyone should lean into them. What about an L French 75? Yeah. No? Gin and champagne? It's just, I love cherries. Mm Mm-hmm. I love brandy more than gin. Gin kind of catches in your throat. So it's kind of like a sweet hit, but then that also hits you in the gut with the brandy. What about a Kier Royale? Yeah, that's nice, but it's just not as good as this. Okay. Traditional, so w- it's a traditional champagne cocktail for a reason. Okay, cool. I'll, <laughs> so stop, na- I'll, I'll stop naming it. <laughs> um, I have choice prize nominations there, but I'm going to leave them for you. Um, Dancing with Stars is back. You, I am absolutely buzzing. I will miss just what is wrong with my brain today. Very excited for Dancing with Stars. Um, it's an absolute buzz. Escapism at its best. Bit of glamour, bit of crack, loads of dancing. What's better than that? Uh, maybe perhaps Deadly Cuts on Netflix. It is such a good show or film. Um, about hairdressing in Dublin. Um, and. It's also kind of like a study in what's going on in the city at the moment in terms of Dublin City Council and murders and <laughs> hairdressing shows. It's just a brilliant film. That's like, basically the three things that, that are happening in Dublin. They are the three things. But like, have you seen it? No, but I will watch it tonight because I didn't know it was on Netflix. I missed it oh, in the cinema. Oh my God, it's so good. Um, and also my fave bit this week is realising that the actresses and, uh, and just like that are one and two years older than the characters on The Golden Girls in the first series. Fuck and off, what, really? Yeah, what I think is really interesting about that, someone pointed it out on Twitter, but what's really brilliant about that is our changing kind of approach to ageing and mm. what that means and... Uh, I just thought it was a really poignant thing to note of how media has changed and how our um, approach to and our thoughts on ageing are changing. I caught up on the most recent episodes uh, last night and I continue to enjoy it an awful lot. I know you've now turned against it for some reason. <laughs> um, yeah, well, not for some reason. Do you know what the reason is? Well, and I've, I've obviously been debating Is it your homophobia? Long. Yeah, I'm absolutely against homophobia. Well, it's Carrie's fucking attitude. The way she spoke to Miranda. Miranda, you let her down when you sent him. Sorry for any spoilers. So, okay, spoilers for and just like that, spoilers are coming. Okay, don't listen to this bit. Uh, But it's last week's episode. When she let her down 
and never went over to Miranda's and she sent her fella. And she is just experiencing her first uh, gay experience and she's all like, eh, no, hair, what are you doing? It's like, yeah, she's leaning into something. Give oh, her a shit. What number episode was that? Have I seen that one? Is that the sixth one or the fifth one? No, last week's. Yeah, I don't know. Um, well, I can't. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm actually one behind anyway, still. Anyway, here, well, could, you know, can I just can say, I just say one, thing one thing in defense? Okay, no, go on. Firstly, um, I was having a conversation with Rebecca Moynihan and she said this and it just struck me exactly what I think about it. It's like, firstly, it's just not fun and that's fine. Getting older cannot be fun. But she was like, they're middle class conservatives trying not to be. But isn't that the whole tenet no, of the thing? No, it's just in bits. I did a poll anyway on my Instagram to see if people are hate watching it or enjoying it. And the results are in. Uh, and they are 59% are hate watching, 41% love it. Well, I'm in that 41%. And I'm going to just I'll move on from it for a second into my fave bits because I was going to put it in my fave bits, but I knew you'd give out to me. But <laughs> no, it can be totally your fave bit. I get it. I obviously will still appointment watch it every week. I think that the tension about them trying to navigate changing attitudes, etc., even though it's very heavy handed and very clunky in places and just cringe in other places. I think it has merit in a storyline. The other thing that I think of with Carrie being selfish and particularly with regards to the scene in her own apartment when she couldn't get out of bed and she was giving Miranda a bollocking. I just think that's totally true to character. It's true to her character. Oh, totally. And and that is her character. She is self-involved. She just thinks, she thinks about herself a lot. She's kind of obsessed with her needs and not other people's. But that's just her character. Yeah. But also I would say it's, it feels like they didn't just pluck themselves out of the last episode or the last movie and move to present day. Like, it's like they've never experienced like, oh my God, what is this? Or yeah, what is no, that? I agree with that. That's really heavy handed. It's it's re- like it is. Yeah. You've, you've evolved during this time. It's not suddenly like you've been dropped into the world and like, oh my God, look at this. <laughs> I agree. It's clunky, but I also think it's kind of a valid thing to explore. Anyway. Totally, but it's just very disappointing. Um, my fave bits. <laughs> <laughs> Number one, Funderland. Went to Funderland during the week. Actually was quite surprised it's open. Fair play to Funderland for getting in under the radar there. Um, all totally safe, of course. Most of it is outdoors and in the... All socially distanced, All of socially course. distanced, of course. COVID-19 is still with us. <laughs> um, I need to get some VO work on some COVID-19 ads. Uh, surely they need another Southside accent on the COVID-19 ad. Um, but, and then the indoor part is obviously in the massive well, you know, what I call the count centre of the RDS, uh, but the <laughs> huge big uh, warehouse um, and people are masked and you have to show your COVID or blah. Look, we fucking know the drill. I don't even know why I'm defending <laughs> the the non-criticism about Thunderland hypothetically breaching COVID. You have COVID to wash rules. your hands on arrival. <laughs> Wear <laughs> a mask. <laughs> but um, it was very fun. Uh, I, I love Thunderland and I don't like roller coasters or scary rides. I like the atmosphere. I like um, fairground games and I love waltzers. So... Uh, they have it all. <laughs> um, so other fave bits, Choice Music Prize. Um, very surprised that uh, John Francis Flynn wasn't nominated, but really good album noms overall. Uh, we've got Bicep. Yahoo! Absolutely amazing album. It was very album. similar to last week's music section that you did also, I have to say. It was, right? Mick Flannery and Susan O'Neill's album, I love when they perform together. So gorge for those I love. Whoop, whoop. Orla Gartland, Woman on the Internet, Deadly, Houseplants, uh, Dry Goods, Big Up, Paul and Dahi for that one. Kojak, Town's Dead. I know that album got a really great reception, but I actually think it is really underrated. When you think, the, particularly the production of that record is just absolutely phenomenal. Elaine May, Yahoo, For Home, Saint Sister, Where Should I End? What an album. Delish. They're so good. Oh, that record is just perfection. Gorgeous. Soda Blonde, great band with Small Talk and Villagers, Fever Dreams. Again, I just, I think it is bizarre that John Francis Flynn isn't in there. Um, but then again, those were Who would the... Who you take out? 
it's hard to take somebody out. Um, but yeah, it's, it's always the case. There's always a record that yeah. you go, what? That doesn't make it in. Um, my other, okay, so this is a, a non-fave bit in a fave bit category. Okay, I don't know how that works. But I just, every everybody's talking about don't look up. Um, and I'm all, I'm totally over the don't look up discourse. And also death to 2021, I watched and I just was kind of left cold. And I kind of feel that we are reaching the end of this era of hyper parody cynicism. It's, it's, a, it's like, don't look up as this metaphor for the climate crisis and death to 2021 is like giving out about how crazy stuff is. And I love Charlie Booker, like love. Um, I just think that like, shit is so wild and things are so serious that when you're trying to make satire, it kind of doesn't really work. And I just think that's interesting um, in terms of what will emerge. You know, Connor was talking about authenticity and feelings. And I think that that is, those are sentiments that I find more interesting right now than like making, you know, bajillion dollar films about like you know being gas about the world ending okay now it's time for book of the week book of the week book of the week 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 so i've got two um parts to this book of the week um, Joan Didion died uh, in December. Um, I was really sad about this for all of Christmas and because she is one of my favourite writers. I think she's a writer that I have, like when I was a teenager, had the biggest, one of the biggest influences over me. But a friend of mine was asking me, you know, that she wanted to get into Joan Didion's work and where should she start? And it's a really good question because Joan Didion's work's just spans so many different forms and some of her um, novels or collections of essays maybe are like everything, like less accessible or less interesting than than other things. So for people who were hearing a lot about Joan Didion but haven't read her, where to start? A really good place to start is the, um, the documentary on her work, uh, which is on Netflix as well, um, which I think is called The Centre Will Not Hold. Uh, the center will not hold. I think it's called, um, which is taken from the Yeats poem, which she took sledging for Bethlehem from, which is one of her famous kind of collections of essays, uh, the Second Coming. Actually, it's the hundredth year anniversary of that poem uh, this year. Um, so that's a great uh, point of access for her work to figure out who she is and why she was so uh, significant in American journalism in particular and and uh, in writing more generally. And then if you're looking for something to read of hers, I would start with The Year of Magical Thinking, beautiful uh, book about grief. And if you're looking to dig into her journalism, her long-form journalism and essays, Slashing Towards Bethlehem, is a really good one on that, about documenting uh, American culture in the 1960s um, and a very, very famous essay about uh, San Francisco at that time and the hedonism that was ongoing. And my other book of the week, I may have mentioned this before, but I'm going to mention it again. Um, 56 Days by Catherine Ryan Howard, the Irish pandemic lockdown page turning thriller. If you want to switch off and get into a book where you just can't wait to know what happens next um, and keep turning those pages, uh, this is the one. I really need a book like that to get back into books. I love books and I just really feel sad that I don't have the attention span. Um, well, attention, I, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people have... Attention had, comes from in te- intention. Oh, there you go. I think a lot of people have had that experience, though, in terms of not being able to really focus on on more dense kind of reading uh, over the pandemic. But again, re- like, you know, like you say, like getting back into something, uh, be... be smart and kind to yourself about getting back into reading by gravitating towards something that you know that you won't be like oh for fuck's sake I'm putting it down after five minutes <laughs> this is definitely um that book really really fun uh thriller 
Um, so yeah, there you go. This podcast is produced by Andrew Mang and Acostway Media. Crystal Clear gave us his tuna chicken roll for our soundtrack and Sarah Fox did all of our design. Andrea, what is our new year tuna chicken roll? Now, this could be controversial as to be a tuna chicken roll, but it's so gorgeous. And I can't take credit for it because you introduced me to it. In one of our Sunday Soothe episodes, it was the Sunday Soother. And it's just so delicious and uplifting, invigorating, and it is Ever New by Beverly Glenn Copeland. From 1986, I believe. Enjoy. I've been Una Mullally. I've been Andrea Horan. This has been United Ireland. And that was an outbreak of self-love. Thank you.